Welcome, everybody, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world, arguably the most useful podcast, I would say. My name is Jake Savage. For those of you who are here for the first time, I'd like to say hello and welcome. Quick background on me, I'm a former door-to-door salesman, knocked on about 100,000 doors over the course of several years, then transitioned into a sales startup where my job was to build and train a team of elite salespeople across the nation. So I did that for several years and was the president there. And then this January transitioned over to a consultant. I leverage corporate sales methods to help nonprofit fundraising teams be more effective and win bigger donations. I really try to work primarily with anti-human trafficking groups, if possible. But sales runs through my blood and uh, through my veins in my blood. And I also, through this podcast, like to help the masses. Learn how to get more of what you want in life every day. Whether you are in sales or fundraising, awesome, welcome. Or if you're not, which is actually the majority of our listeners, this is a place where you can come to learn a little bit, learn to be a little bit more persuasive. You can learn to be a more effective communicator, negotiate things like raises or promotions, or get people to go on dates with you, or sell your ideas to your coworkers or your family, friends, get your partner or your kids to listen to you. Etc. Just getting buy-in for your ideas is one of the most important aspects of life and one of the most critical skills needed in life. So if that's what you're looking for, you're you're in the right place. Hey, today we're switching up. We're going to do something new. I, I typically have an episode on Wednesday called Whiskey Wednesdays. It's an informal segment with my wife and co-host Alexa, where we just chat openly about different things going on in my life. And then Thursday is where we have usually prepared a topic, something about persuasive communication. Today is Monday, and I wanted to go through a little Q&A. Not sure how many Q&A episodes we'll do, but I've uh, I've spoken with a handful of individuals who've been curious about this whole raise thing, because I did release an episode on how to ask for a raise. But because it's during the pandemic, I've had people ask about whether or not the timing is right, given everything that's going on. So I I figured we could do one, at least one episode this week, and we'll see if we continue, but at least one episode with a QA and a here. So I've got a question. I'm going to provide an answer, and I think that this will be valuable to everybody out there that is curious to know whether or not now is a good time to ask for a raise. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Today's question comes from somebody whose handle is Alicia Carey one All right, so this is uh, it's a bit of a longer one. I'm going to read through it. Bear with me, and then we'll get to the answer right after that. All right, Alicia Carey one says, I feel I'm at the point to ask for a pay increase, and I'm looking for suggestions on my specific situation. I work in a quality type role for a hospital system. I covered two hospitals up until the start of the pandemic. Then they did a major leadership restructuring and lots of layoffs. I was moved to covering seven hospitals and was told I need to travel to the other five. They are four to five hours away. Fortunately, with the pandemic, I've only had to travel twice in six months. When I first started this, I was in a temporary position and then my boss told me this is permanent. I never received an offer for this bigger role and have just done the work for about 10 months now. With all of the layoffs, I didn't want to push my luck, and I didn't push for a raise at the time. The system is doing much better financially now. Now I'm being told I need to travel more. 
I have a young family and being away from my family is a major sacrifice. I'm starting to feel really bitter that I'm doing all this extra work plus traveling, but my compensation has not changed at all. My boss brought up that she asked about me getting a raise a while back and was told no because I don't have direct reports. Though my role isn't one that usually has reports, I have a lot of responsibility, but I'm a one-person department. I've just wanted to be a team player throughout this pandemic. I like my job, and I really love the company I work for. Is it awful to really push for a raise at this point? I feel like if I was worth my current salary to do a third of the work I'm doing now, I deserve at least a little bump in pay to take on all of this extra responsibility. How do I approach this? Any suggestions on how to ask without looking like a jerk? I feel I was cheated out of the opportunity to negotiate because I was never officially offered my role. If you have any suggestions, I would love to hear them. All right, Alicia, fantastic question. No doubt plenty of other people are in your same shoes right now. Maybe you were kind of forced into a different position at work due to you know, serious and quickly changing circumstances at your company. And then you didn't really have a chance to chat with anybody, much less your boss, about how you felt about the change or what type of compensation you deserve. So I think this is something that will resonate with a lot of people. And I do have a few thoughts here. So let's go ahead and jump right in. To start, if I understand correctly, it sounds like in order for you to get a raise, your boss has to be the one to pitch it for you to whomever their boss is. Because you did say, slightly higher up here, you said, my boss brought up that she asked about me getting a raise a while back and was told no. So I'm guessing in order for you to get this raise, this boss of yours, she has to go to bat for you, right? So that's that's one thing to note. And this being the case, what we really have to do in order to be effective is coach your boss on how to approach their boss about you getting a raise. So it's not enough just to go up to your boss and give some reasons and say, hey, I deserve this and I was cheated out of the opportunity to negotiate. You need to coach your boss on how she can then turn around and properly pitch a compelling story to her boss about why you deserve the raise. Okay, so you can make the strongest case in the world for why you feel like you deserve it, but if your boss doesn't have a rock solid reason, they're not gonna do a great job of delivering that pitch to their boss. Let me give you an example. When I sold door-to-door, I'd be out there all day long. So plenty of times I would encounter, if it was a single income household that I knocked on, let's say, for example, that the wife answered the door if she was a stay-at-home mom. Now, obviously, there are different types of situations. There could be stay-at-home dads, but there were plenty of times where I ran into stay-at-home moms And I would encounter a situation kind of similar to what you're talking about here with the raise. And that is, I would, let's say I got there around five-ish or so. So I'm, I knock on the door, the wife lets me in, we chat about uh, her potentially buying a security system from my company to protect the home. Well, if she tells me that her husband is on the way home from work, I know more often than not, when the husband comes through the door, Usually the first thing the wife might say would be something like, hey, honey, guess what? This guy just came by selling security systems, and all we have to do is pay a one-time $200 fee and then $70 a month for five years, but we get this great system. 
It's like no matter what all the things I had told her for the past hour, maybe two hours sometimes, all that value I had built, the stories I had pitched, nothing mattered in the moment because when her husband walked through the door, she said, hey, guess what? All we have to do is pay 200 bucks and $70 a month for five years. And he just looks over at me, has no idea who the heck I am, tells me to get out. And that's that, right? So I, I remember encountering, encountering this a lot when I first got started and asked my managers, hey, how do I navigate this situation? And so what I was trained to do was to coach that spouse, whoever was home. I had to coach that spouse on essentially what to say to their spouse that returned home from work in the middle of my visit there. So I know that if I want, let's just keep using this as an example. There, there were times where I would speak to the husband if the wife was out and she would come home later. And that's a bit of a different pitch. But let's say that I'm, I'm there with the wife. And I, I'm speaking with her about the system and all the ways that it can keep her family safe. Yes, at some point we're going to chat about price, but it's very important that I sort of uh, emphasize key points that I know she can sort of regurgitate to her husband, which would be uh, things that make her husband feel like the hero. Now, if her husband comes home and feels like he doesn't have any control, this random guy's in his house and he's talking about trying to sell the system... This is not a good scenario. He doesn't feel like the hero. He doesn't feel in control. He kicks me out. So what I wanted to do was help the wife to understand all of the ways in which her husband could feel like a hero by saying yes to buying this system. So I would try to ask her questions to figure out how I can make this happen. And more often than not, you know, if the husband is out of town, for work or is gone a lot or home late or whatever the case may be, I would try to emphasize the fact that if the husband were to have this system installed, the wife and kids would feel a lot more safe when he traveled or when he was at work very late. And so the whole point would be to, to spend a lot of time hovering over that, just that exact point. If I know that that's kind of a hot point with the wife. So that way, when the husband came home, she would say something like, hey, honey, this is Jake and he's from X company and they're selling security systems. They're doing some promotional work in the neighborhood, but I thought it would be good to chat with him just because, you know, you travel a lot and oftentimes the kids and I feel a little bit unsafe at, at night, or at least it's something I think about. And with you traveling and we have a security system in place, I wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. So I thought it would be worth it just to pick uh, Jake's brain because he was walking around the neighborhood chatting with a lot of our neighbors. Now that's a totally different story because now the husband interprets this information and realizes that if he says yes to buying it, he gets to be the hero in protecting his wife. So what we want to do in this raise scenario is essentially recreate that, uh, that situation that I would be in oftentimes in door-to-door -door sales, right? We need to coach your boss on how to properly pitch this to her boss so that it makes sense, so that her boss can feel like the hero saying yes to you getting the raise. So there are a couple of things we wanna consider, actually three things that we want to consider when it comes to crafting a compelling narrative. If you took a rhetoric class or persuasive writing class back in the day, right, high school or college, you probably learned that the three most important pillars of persuasion are logos, pathos, and ethos. And if that's the first time that you're, you're hearing of them, let me just provide a quick rundown for you. So logos is logic. This is what most of us are familiar with using when we're trying to sell our, sell our ideas, is using logic. So that's logos. 
uh, pathos is emotion. Now, if you're a slightly more experienced salesperson or storyteller, you're going to weave in some emotion because we know that emotion really is the basis for decision making. And then we use logic afterwards to reinforce it. But so we've got logic, then we've got emotion, and then ethos is character or credibility of the speaker. So if we want to be ultra persuasive, we need to craft a cocktail, so to speak, that involves all three of these ingredients, logic, emotion, and our credibility. So let's go ahead and start with emotion. And this is, when I say emotion, this is us making your boss feel like the hero. So to start, you need to find out what your boss wants. The better that we can understand whatever it is your boss wants or what their goals are for themselves, the better that we can frame how us getting the raise will help them to get what it is they want. And a quick and easy way to do this would just be, you know, through chatting with your boss saying, hey, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Do you see yourself here? What are some of your career goals? You know, what is it that you want? What's standing in the way of you getting what you want? And then once you have that information, you need to brainstorm some ways that you could help your boss get what they want. So again, this isn't just about you getting what you deserve. You do need to identify a way for you to help your boss get what they want. Because if you can help your boss get what they want, they are going to tell a much more compelling pitch and story to their boss, who's the ultimate decision maker, right? So number one is emotion, which is the storytelling and finding a way for your boss to feel like a hero. We want your boss to be able to go to her boss and say, hey, I've got this plan that's going to help everybody, right? And they'll feel like the hero. Number two is ethos. So this is where we want to tap on your credibility a little bit. And we need to identify where you have the leverage. And one way to do this is by asking yourself, are you something called an oh crap employee? And an oh crap employee is uh, essentially if that employee were to leave or quit or whatever, the boss would say, oh crap, like we're in some deep trouble because that person is uh, is kind of like a, a pivotal employee here at this company. So if you're not an oh crap employee, and if you left nothing would happen, you don't have a ton of leverage, honestly, when it comes to asking for a raise. And the point of this podcast is not to help people get whatever it is that they want but don't deserve. I'm trying to help people who deserve these things become better communicators so that they can get what they want. So first things first, you have to deserve this. And and it's it's really important that you do have leverage and that you are an oh crap employee, so to speak, that if you left, things would hit the fan. It would cause some trouble. Again, if you're not that, start getting better at your job. But if you are that, then we know that that part's covered. Let's move on here. So for one, you're an oh crap employee. What you need to do is sit down and write down some of the things that would happen if you were to leave. Because it's important that we paint a picture to our boss of what failure looks like in this circumstance. Failure to get this raise, what would it look like? And it might look like you having to leave. But of course, you don't want to say that and be a rude or disrespectful and say, hey, I'm leaving if I don't get this. Now, that's not going to win anybody over. What we want to do is politely and respectfully paint a picture of what this might look like, you leaving, and what's at stake. What could happen if you did leave? Now, this is important because most companies and bosses know that the employees won't leave, meaning the company has the leverage. If they say no to you, what's going to happen? You're not going to quit, right? So there's really nothing for them to lose. They need to know that you're willing to walk away. 
And if you're not sure how to do that without sounding rude or disrespectful or too forward, here's a quick example. You could say something just like this. Hey, I really enjoy working for this company. And when I envision the next five years of my life, I see myself here. The way things are going currently, though, I'm just not sure if I'll be able to see that vision through. My responsibilities here are putting a lot of strain on my family. At some point, I'll need to find a different role that puts either less strain on my family or will need to be compensated for the strain that's, that's uh, being put on us. Now, I don't think that's too forward. I don't think it's rude or disrespectful. You're politely letting them know that you do love the place. You see yourself there long-term. You want to be there long-term. But in order for that to happen, a couple ducks need to be aligned. A couple ducks need to be in a row here. So that's one way that you can bring this up. So we've got emotion, making your boss feel like the hero. We need to ask your boss what it is they want personally. Do they want a raise? Do they want a promotion? What's standing in the way and how can you help them get it? Number two, your credibility. Clarify what will happen if you leave and you can politely and respectfully address how you might leave if you're unable to get this raise. So now the third, we need to introduce some logic. Let's bring some reason in here to put kind of the last sort of nails in the coffin. I would recommend doing some research. Find out what other people in your position are making. And then when you approach your boss, come in slightly under that. Yep, that could sell yourself a little short, but I think you're going to drastically increase your chances of getting a yes and getting a raise at all if you come in slightly below. Here's why. This whole thing is about coaching your boss on how to properly go to their boss to get the yes, right? Well, they wanna, they wanna impress their boss and one way they can do that is by going to them and saying, hey, I just spoke with Alicia, here's what's going on. And your boss can explain all the things that you have been telling her so far. Now your boss is motivated because your boss knows that you're on her side and you wanna help your boss get what she wants. So she's motivated and she's got the confidence to go ask for this. And it's, it's coming through truly in her emotion and in her, in her voice. Like she, she is fighting for you. She's going to bat for you. So she's got that. She uh, explains to your boss what might happen if you don't get it, how you do see yourself there, love working for the company, but just cannot stay unless certain things occur. Then the third part, coming back to this logic, is your boss can say to her boss, Hey, but you know what? The average person in Alicia's shoes makes X amount. I think we could get her to say yes to a raise for somewhere in the ballpark for 10% less than that. So we actually still are saving money, which I know is important during the pandemic. So we can get her what she wants and the company will win too, because I bet she'll say yes to 10% less. But you already told her you would take about 10% less. So again, everything you're doing is setting your boss up to be successful when they go to bat for you. So quick recap, you need to include emotion, logic, and your credibility. For your credibility, politely and respectfully outline how much you love being there, but what would need to happen in order for you to stay because of the strain that this is putting on your family. The pathos, find out what it is your direct boss wants. Then 
map out ways for how you can help your boss get what they want. They need to be bought in. If they're not bought in, it's like the husband coming home during that situation when the door-to-door sales, like the, if the wife's not truly bought in and the husband comes home, the wife goes, hey, here's Jake. You've got this security system they're selling for $70 a month for five years. What do you think? Okay, that, that's not bought in. And they're not getting any, you know, that, that's not getting me anywhere. And we're definitely not selling a security system that day. So for one, you need to help your boss accomplish what it is that they want. So that's the pathos. You got the ethos part, which is your credibility. What happens if you leave? Then logos, do some research, find out what people in your position make, and then come in about five to 10% less than that. Yes, might be a little bit less than what you want, but it's ultra reasonable and it's going to increase the chances of you getting a win over nothing at all. So Alicia and anybody else that's in this uh, situation, I hope that this information was helpful, would encourage you to give this a shot. Feel free to reach out if you do have any other questions, persuasionschoolpodcast.com. You can drop me a line there. I will see it. Or you can also catch me on Instagram at It's Jake Savage and just send me a DM. I'll make sure to read uh, everything that comes through there as well. Until Wednesday, you guys have an awesome week. See ya.